hello everybody. My name is Renu Gulati. Um, I'm speaking from uh, Rishikesh, India. Um, and I am a uh, UK lawyer. Um, uh, and I have a team that I'm working with of Indian and UK lawyers. And today we're going to discuss some issues regarding um, immigration law and the changes that have occurred in the UK. So that's our topic for today. And my, my guest today is Mr. Um, uh, Krishnendu Mukherjee, who is both a UK and a um, India qualified barrister. So um, he will be answering the questions. And if there's anything else you'd like to say about yourself, uh, Krishnendu, uh, please do so. Well, I think I had better tell the audience that I'm, uh, as you say, a UK qualified barrister and yes. an Indian qualified advocate at Doughty Street Chambers in London. And okay. I've been specialising in immigration law since 1996 when I um, came to the bar. And I've been practising in immigration law since that time in all forms of applications um, to um, the, under the UK immigration laws. But also having lived in India for seven years in that time, I also have and expertise in, in, in Indian immigration laws as well. So I'm dual qualified and a dual expert. Okay, and on that note, I'll just say that I was also a practicing immigration lawyer for 10 years whilst I was in the UK. Um, but uh, Krishnendu will, um, is, more, is much more up to date with me, so um, we'll be addressing the questions to him. So, um, uh, Krishnenduji, uh, would you like to tell us uh, a little bit about what the changes um, that are being proposed for UK immigration in the in the in early next year? Is yes. Well, um, as the audience will probably know or may know, that uh, UK immigration law is very complex and very extensive, and um, it it has developed organically and. Um, rather arbitrarily over time, um, as a consequence of which there's a whole myriad of um, immigration laws, which include statute, various statutes, um, immigration rules, immigration policies, and case law. And so it's important that uh, when looking at the context of immigration law, people understand in, that expert advice is required um, because of the sheer complexity um, of uh, UK immigration law. Um, the, I think the, the, the biggest change that, is, that has happened um, in relation to UK immigration law for decades has been the UK's uh, exit from the, United, from the European Union on the 31st of January, 2020, this year. And uh, as you'll know, um, uh, after the UK exited uh, the, United, the EU, there's been a transition period, which will end on the 31st of January, uh, 2021, and, um, or January 20, 2021. Now, the, obviously the most important thing in relation to immigration law about the UK's um, membership of the EU um, was that you had free movement of EU nationals uh, around the European Union, obviously including um, um, the United Kingdom, which allowed European nationals to live, to work, 
to reside and ultimately um, if they wish to get settled status and to get UK citizenship if they if they wanted as well as various family reunion uh, rights uh, which stem from being um, an EU national um, living and working in a EU country. As of um, the 1st of January uh, next year, all that will come to an end. There will no longer be a free movement of EU nationals um, uh, to the United Kingdom. Um, and um, in order to uh, do that, the UK has brought in, or is bringing in a new act called the Immigration and Social Security Coordination EU Withdrawal Bill, as it is now, 2020, which had its second reading in the House of Commons at the end of May. Um, essentially, um, when, that when that act comes into force, that'll stop um, um, the free movement of EU nationals and allow non-EU nationals, i.e. people, including people from India, to come into the country on an equal basis as, as EU nationals. And um, the government have stated what they, how they propose to implement the, these new immigration um, controls. Shall I go ahead? Yeah, can I just interrupt you there? You say that there will be no, uh, if I understood you correctly, there will be no differentiation between EU nationals and uh, let's say Indian nationals as we're working in India. Um, um, it, I, I mean, is, is that going to be the case given that, you know, uh, India is much less economically developed than uh, the EU? Do you think there will be any element of racism or do you think uh, there won't be? Well, um, I mean, it's, it's difficult to say how the Home Office will treat applications like applications um, from EU and non-EU citizens after the 1st of January 2021. But reading directly from the introduction to the policy statement of the UK's point-based immigration system, it says, from the 1st of January 2021, EU and non-EU citizens will be treated equally. So that is the stated government in intention. Obviously, decisions on individual cases will come down to individual home office um, civil servants. Uh, but at the moment, um, it really is the government's intention, or at least stated intention, to attract the most talented people, the most highly skilled people, and the most um, uh, the, the people who will benefit the UK the most, whether irrespective of whether they're from the European Union or the uh, or, or the non-European countries. So these are the only people that are going to benefit from this. Um, the highly skilled? Well, so um, what the government uh, proposes to do is bring in a, a what's a points-based system, somewhat like the one that currently exists in, um, in Australia and to a certain extent also ex exists in uh, the United Kingdom. And, and the intention really of that points-based system is to um, bring in um, the most highly skilled uh, migrants um, into this country and those are people like scientists, engineers, academics, uh, doctors, nurses uh, uh, and other um, highly skilled um, individuals including individuals who um, are entre entrepreneurs and, and so on and to keep a threshold so that what they call the lower skilled migrants 
um, won't be able to come into, into the country other than in specified schemes such as agricultural seasonal workers, thus allowing um, lower skilled mig uh, workers from the United Kingdom, British nationals, or, or those with status here to take up those jobs. So the real intention really is absolutely to bring in only the most highly skilled um, individuals from, um, from outside uh, the United Kingdom. And sorry, um, and the less skilled um, will not be able to benefit from any permanent residence or settlement because it will be temporary, right? Um, well, um, so, I mean, the, gov the government has uh, given various um, categories. So they, they talk about um, highly skilled workers who will be part of a points-based system. And the points-based system will look at, for instance, um, the qualifications of that individual. They look at uh, what's the um, earning potential of that individual, whether that individual has a job, whether that individual um, speaks English, uh, and so on. Uh, and in general, there will be a requirement for a person wanting to enter the United Kingdom to, to, first of all, know English, and secondly, to demonstrate that they have a job offer from an approved sponsor. Um, and the threshold that um, the UK has made for uh, skills is really a minimum of, um, a, a minimum skill basis of educational basis of A-levels. So people who don't have what the, is the equivalent of A-levels in the United Kingdom um, won't um, in general qualify. qualify under the points-based system. However, there is um, some uh, need for what they called lower skilled uh, workers to come in. But um, in, uh, essentially the government have said lower skilled workers. Um, and now obviously there's a, there's a lot of talk about care workers in the United Kingdom because care workers um, uh, generally don't meet the um, earnings threshold to, uh, to qualify as a skilled worker, nor are they um, in general um, have the qualifications to um, be deemed a, a skilled worker. And so there's a lot of talk about um, care workers not being able to come into the United Kingdom. And obviously under the coronavirus um, situation, they've, they've given um, very important work in caring for for elderly people and so on. Um, um, uh, but the government has left it open for the lower skilled people to come into the United Kingdom as and when required through um, the setting up of various schemes. So for instance, as I said, there's a continuation of the seasonal workers and agricultural scheme. Those who um, come here for a temporary period of time um, to uh, pick crops um, during the season and um, and that'll that'll continue and indeed it may expand um, and there may well be other scope for other schemes such as that but at the moment the government is very clear that its intention with the new legislation is to bring in the skilled or, or, or highly skilled individuals into the United Kingdom. And have they actually specified all those skills that they are needed? I know you've mentioned quite a lot before but have they been categorized or not? Well, I mean, I think it's I think it's it's fairly clear what type of people um, they want um, from. If you look at the existing points-based system that exists, if you look at the categories there. Obviously, you look at you're looking at people who um, are 
high net worth, so people who can invest in the United Kingdom. Um, you're looking at people who are um, uh, qualified um, either in the general professional qualifications or in arts and so on, music, who, who could potentially come into the United Kingdom. You're talking about students. Obviously, the UK wants to attract um, large numbers of foreign students um, under the points-based system. So um, those categories are, are there, um, but the rules um, which govern who can come in and who can't um, will only be enforced um, after um, the act becomes forced. So the rules, as people might know, um, are, are, are delegated pieces of legislation. That is to say, um, they are put forward by parliament and, uh, and then um, if anyone opposes them uh, and, then, and then they automatically become law, unless anybody opposes them, um, those will only come into force once um, the act is in place. So it'll become um, after, after, probably after it comes into force sometime later on this year. Right. And what about um, any other um, business categories? Um, is it just the high net worth individuals and what would the, high, what would the amount be that would be required? Or has that, has that not been stipulated yet? Yeah, well, as, as I said, I mean, the rules have not um, been laid before Parliament yet. And, um, but I, su I suspect that the, the rules on, 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 on those categories of people remain fairly, fairly unchanged. That is, I think it's a million pounds worth of investing in the United Kingdom. Um, um, as you want to come as a, as a tier one um, individual. Um, uh, but the rules will specify the threshold limits. But as I said, so the government has basically laid out in its policy um, that the general salary threshold um, uh, will be uh, £25,600 or above. That's the salary that someone will need to be able to earn. Um, they, they say that um, you'll be looking at the higher level of, of, of whatever salary um, spectrum there is for a particular job. Um, um, they will look at the, the, the qualifications that that person brings um, and, they will, um, uh, and they will decide whether someone can come in in that way. So, for instance, they've given a list here of the types of points which will be allocated to an individual um, according to their, um, their, their jobs and their salary rates. So, for instance, uh, someone who has an offer of a job will get 20 points. Someone who has an appropriate skill level will get 20 points. Someone who speaks English at the required level will have 10 points. Someone who has a salary of 23,000 to 25,000 will get 10, 10 points. Someone who, who will get a commander salary of more than 25,600 will get 20 points. And someone who's in a shortage occupation as, def as defined by the Home Office will get uh, 20 points as well. If you have a PhD, you'll get in a relevant subject, you'll get uh, 10 points. And if you get um, uh, even a PhD in a, in a shortage um, subject, then like science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, then you'll get an, uh, 20 points. And what the government have said in their policy is that you'll need a minimum of 70 points in order to um, uh, gain entry under the point system when it becomes law. Right. So there seems to be a lot of scope for India because there are a lot of Indians in, in, the, in those categories. I think, 
I, I think, yeah. I mean, I think, um, I, I know one of the grievances of, of Indian doctors, for instance, has been the fact that uh, the government were at one stage not giving out the visas for Indian doctors. Um, and I know there was some some pressure between put 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 on by Modi and uh, the Prime Minister of India on the British government. Um, so I, I know a lot of Indian doctors, for instance, want to come over to the United Kingdom for a, for a, for a particular um, period of time. This new law, when it comes into force, will allow Indian doctors, Indian engineers, Indian IT professionals, etc., to be considered on an equal par with former um, with EU nationals uh, and therefore um, it would widen yes it'll widen the um, the ability I'd say of of uh, of Indian qualified Indian national qualified professionals to come to the United Kingdom and I think there's just some distinct advantages because of the uh, Commonwealth uh, relationship between the UK and and India in terms of for instance um, Indian nationals being able to speak English to a to a high level, um, but also their skills being recognised by this country, because also obviously we have already have um, a, a considerable number of Indian nationals working, for instance, in the National Health Service, as well as working in um, uh, IT, for instance. And so I think that their applications will be looked on looked on favourably by the Home Office when they apply. Previously, Indian doctors had to re-qualify to practice in, in India, in the UK. Is that um, still, will that be the case? Will they have to go through more examinations or can they be accepted with their current qualifications? Well, I, previously, as, as far as I'm aware, Indian doctors had to do a PLAB. That's right, yes. Um, I'm not sure whether that would remain... Um, the same. I don't know whether there'd be any relaxation of that. Um, I mean, I think that's all in the fi fine print. Um, I know that um, Pretty Patel has said she wants to attract um, <coughs> in particular, uh, doctors and nurses into the National Health Service. So it may well be that, um, that Indian doctors from particular types of universities, particular known universities, will automatically be allowed to come in. Um, but I, as I say, the detail is not yet there. Right. And in, in terms of students, you said that the uh, UK wanted to attract more students. Um, there are a lot of students in India who would love to go to the UK. And um, so you think now with the current, with the coming up legislation, that they will have an easier time um, coming into the UK? I'm not sure about it easier. I mean, I think potentially because um, with the um, current crisis, there's been a huge decline in the number of foreign students applying to come to the United Kingdom. And I think that is likely to continue. And so, as we know, UK um, universities and educational institutions are very keen to attract foreign students because foreign students play pay higher fees um, for being educated in the United Kingdom. And so what I, what I would um, understand is that, um, that, the, I, that the government will make every effort in, in the new rules and in the policies 
um, in relation to the new rules to attract foreign students, including students from India. Right, and, um, and then they would supposedly have an opportunity um, if, if they form within those, well, they would have, they would have an opportunity to stay on a, and work potentially, and then ultimately get settlement. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I don't see any, any reason why the present, um, the present uh, system of immigration law would so dramatically change. So obviously, at the moment, you know, if you've been here for a particular length of time, you have a right to um, apply for settled status. Um, if you have, a, if you, you know, you have the, here, you have the five, five year route to uh, settle status or the 10 year route to settle status. So those, I'm, I don't know whether the exact policies remain in force, but something like that would remain in force. So if you've been here legally for five years or 10 years, depending upon what leave you had, you could uh, apply to, 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 to stay here permanently. And then after that, after five years, you could apply then to become a, a UK national. Right. And um, the next semester is going to come up in, in September, October. Um, what advice would you give um, Indian students now? I mean, uh, now they would be, uh, have to apply under the current scheme, right? Well, now, now, now is, now is um, yeah, now they're applying under the current rules um, for uh, entrance this year. I mean, what I, what I would say is, I, I think, um, uh, because of the current crisis has become a bit of a buyer's market. Uh, yes. I know, I know universities are, um, are feeling and are concerned about um, the numbers of students who are deferring and not coming um, this year. And so I think if students are wanting to come this year, and obviously they have to realize that, you know, university life will have changed in terms of a lot of the universities are now doing more, more things online. Um, yes. Therefore, there may not be need to have face-to-face -face lectures. But if people are planning to come this year, um, I would ask them to look around and see what type of offers universities are are giving um, applicants um, in term uh, by allowing them to come to the United Kingdom, because they may get some some offers that they probably wouldn't have expected. Right. Um, you mean good offers? Yes, I mean offers to come into the come and be a student at a particular university, which yeah. is lower, which is lower than what they would have had last year, for instance. Mm -hmm. And um, th there are some universities from the UK that have set up um, centers of education here in India. I yes. mean, what, what would be the advantage of coming to the UK over going to one of the uh, uh, the, the, their centers in India? Well, I, my understanding is that universities are, that have got um, centers in India only, only cater for a small number of subjects. They don't cater for the wide range of subjects which, uh, which are catered for here. Um, so for instance, um, from my knowledge, medicine, dentistry, engineering, those type of um, subjects are catered. But if you want to do um, other different types of engineering or or very specialist courses; those those won't be those won't be catered for uh, in India. So there are distinct education advantage advantages, and also I think um, you know th there are also advantages in terms of um, future opportunities. 
So, you know, as you know, if you're in a university and if you're known in a university, you do well in a university here in the UK, that can also lead on to, um, you know, you getting, you getting to know um, various um, uh, people there may lead to opportunities within the faculties themselves and or, you know, future opportunities for jobs. So there are distinct advantages, I think, for a student um, to, to do what the course they actually want in the United Kingdom and to, and to get and to take the opportunities that, that, uh, that take from that uh, flow from that. Right. And um, do you think that um, uh, the, the business, people who want to set up, you, you, we talked about the investor category. Um, what about the, uh, the business category? There is a separate business category for people wanting to come up and come in and set up, set up a business. Well, I think I mean I, I, I mean I think there'll there'll always there'll, there'll always be um, scope under the immigration laws for people who want to um, be entrepreneurs and, and so on. So I'm I'm absolutely certain that those will exist and that those are I mean this is exactly the vision of the UK that that is being set out by this government that they want people who will um, benefit they say inverted commas benefit this country in terms of bringing money or bringing skills which are in short supply to the United Kingdom. So I'm absolutely certain that, um, that entrepreneurs, um, as well as investors, will provide, will, will be, will be uh, catered for in the immigration rules and will probably have a, um, a particular um, uh, easier scheme. For instance, I should have mentioned earlier that there is um, something called uh, a fast track um, NHS visa system, which which will provide medical professions around the world um, a fast track visa to come to the United Kingdom. So the government is very clear that it wants to attract the, 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 the creme de la creme of, right. the, of the medical world to work in the UK National Health Service. Mm -hmm. So this will, um, um, this may get a bit political here, but this will boost the UK's, the motivation is to, boost the UK economy, right? Um, I mean, I, I don't, I mean, yes. I mean, I don't, um, um, I mean, I don't know how much it'll boost the economy, but um, it'll certainly, um, I think one of the attempts is to, is to att attempt to ensure that the National Health Service, um, whether in its private guise or in its public guise, remains the premier health service in the globe, you know? Yeah, yeah sorry, so, I, was, I was meaning about the, sorry, I, I should have uh, rephrased that. Um, I was meaning about the whole scheme in general. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, the scheme, the scheme I think the scheme is very clear in, in, um, in what, it, what it intends to do. Um, uh, and as I said right at the beginning, it flows from the UK's exit from the European Union and the motivation right. behind that. So the motivations behind that ostensibly were to stop unskilled or lower skilled migration from the European Union and right. to, and to um, ensure that migrants, apart from those who are coming under specific categories like asylum, asylum seekers and family reunion, but apart from that, the primary migration would be uh, only um, highly skilled or skilled occupations, or investors, or entrepreneurs, which the government feels are, would benefit the United Kingdom. Right. 
And do you think the, um, I know it's, I know it's point-based, so it's quite, it's much more categorized than it previously um, used to be. So do you think the process will be smoother and easier and faster? Um, I mean, I think, I think um, that um, it would have to be because if you're trying to attract the um, best um, people from across the globe, then you're also competing with other countries which have similar requirements. So you're competing with the United States or you're competing with other European countries or the EU now. Um, um, obviously, in terms of India, the UK is the destination of choice because of the language and, and because of the sizable Indian dis diaspora here. Um, but even then, I'd say that the UK would no longer be able to have the type of fairly poor quality, I would say, um, assessments of, of, of uh, mm. visa applications that, that, that the UK has traditionally had. So mm -hmm. we, we, we all know stories um, of um, bad decisions by entry clearance officers or bad decisions by UK-based immigration um, civil servants. And I think in the 21st century, as we move on, and in order to, uh, to attract the best now Britain has left in United, uh, the European Union, um, those procedures will have to become uh, much more streamlined, uh, much more transparent, and much more um, fast in order to attract um, the best. Right, because previously they have been pretty slow. So that would be an encouraging factor for people wanting to um, go to, to, to the UK. Um, and... Um, is there anything else that you think you can add to um, to this conversation? Well, I mean, all, all I would say is that, um, you know, people should um, be aware of how the UK is aiming to move um, into um, a post-Brexit um, economy, into a post-Brexit era, and how they would perceive bilateral agreements with um, other countries and how they intend to get bilateral agreements with, with other countries. Um, in my view, India is, is one of the countries um, which the UK is actively looking to invest in and to attract individuals from. And, and although it's very complicated, but you know, ultimately wants a free trade agreement with India because India provides um, the UK with a huge market, and also uh, significant resources. So I, I can only see, really, the connection between the UK and its old colony of India um, getting closer in the post-Brexit era because um, of its of plain necessity. And that, in my view, would also help Indian-based nationals come to this country for a period of time, either for education or um, work or... Um, investment and ultimately they want to and ultimately just to stay here permanently. And do you think this could potentially result in a brain drain in India? Well, um, uh, it's difficult to say because um, I mean there are, you know, obviously you know there are reasons why people would remain in, in India. Um, you know, lifestyle and the weather and you know, and obviously Indian, some of the Indian institutions are 
world-beating institution as well. So I don't necessarily think that just because the system may become uh, rationalized or speedier that you'll necessarily have uh, people clamoring to come to the United Kingdom. Um, but no doubt um, the United Kingdom does offer for some people some of the best educational institutions and the best opportunities. So they'll need no doubt, as there always has been, um, a certain number of people who wish to re relocate either for a temporary period or for a longer period um, um, to the United Kingdom. And I think the changes in immigration law will assist them in that. And um, do, you, do you think that um, uh, potential candidates under this scheme will need a lawyer to facilitate the process? Or is it something that can be done um, by oneself? I think, um, I think, I think, I think, obviously, because they want to attract highly skilled or skilled migration, um, the applications will be not cheap, um, to put it mildly. So I think the applications will be um, expensive, um, thousands of pounds. Um, and as I said, immigration law, UK immigration law is um, very organic. Um, there are a lot of statutes, there are a lot of laws, uh, rules and policies and case law. And I think to make best use of the money, rather than throwing the money down the drain, um, or potentially losing that money by not putting in a correct application in the correct way, I would advise that people um, seek expert advice. Um, because actually, you know, um, it could be uh, uh, costly down the line if, it, if the application um, isn't put in properly in the first place and an expert advice is not obtained in the first place. Right. And is there an appeal procedure if an application or has that not been decided yet? I'm sure there will be an appeal procedure. Um, yeah. There always has been an appeal procedure. <clears throat> so... Um, but nobody wants to go to an appeal procedure. People want to get their application in properly first. And whenever I advise people um, about making applications, I always say, look, treat it like an exam. Make sure you put all documents in a folder with dividers and um, everything in, 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 in order to make sure that, you know, the person who's reading those papers is clear what your application is because you know, at the end of the day, if a, if a document isn't there or an application isn't there um, properly, then that, then that can mean that the application gets um, refused when it shouldn't be. And nobody wants that. So, right. um, so you know, I, I would advise expert advice um, on how to put the application in together. And obviously, if ultimately that application is, is refused, as I said, there'll probably also be an appeal but then that'll be extra time and extra money and nobody wants to go down that route. Of course, of course. So, um, so this is, um, uh, I think we can conclude, um, unless you have anything else you'd like to add. No, I, I think, I just think um, people should like watch this space. I, I think we, 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 we could maybe do a, another podcast when things become a bit clearer because things are yes. changing, changing all the time. Um, there is a, uh, a, 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 a list that's being produced of shortage occupationals, um, shortage occupations, um, 
which um, which will be kept under regular review. Um, and so people and that, that that will mean that people will be allocated extra points for those occupations if the Home Office believes that they are they're in shortage in the UK. And so people should um, ensure that they keep abreast with podcasts like this um, on on the changes in, in UK in UK immigration law so they know exactly um, what opportunities exist here in the United Kingdom. Yes, because I think very few people are aware of the potential changes. Um, and um, I think uh, it's important to, to spread the word so that people, the information gets out there. Because at the moment, um, obviously, because it's not legislation yet, it's not known about. So, yes, I think it's good to keep people um, in the loop. And mm. um, Well, as I said, I mean, as I said, the UK leaving the European Union and in terms of immigration is the biggest change in UK immigration law, the first single, the, the biggest single change in UK immigration law for decades. Um, yes. Ever since the UK entered the um, EU in 1972. So it is, it is a huge and significant change, um, um, which will disadvantage EU nationals, but will advantage non-EU nationals. Yes, exactly. So, um, well, thank you very much, um, Krishnendu, for your time and knowledge. And, um, uh, and I just wanted to um, let everyone know that we're operating um, out of a firm in, um, based in India, and it's known by um, the name of RG Legal. And we're working with both Indian immigration law and visas and UK. Um, immigration law and visas and collectively collectively we probably have about uh, um, how many how many years of experience do you have Uh, yeah I've been practicing since 96 96 so um, okay so that's uh, 14 16 years Um, um, sorry, 96. I'm not calculating properly. That's 14 years. Anyway, collectively, we've got, we, we, have, we have another lawyer on the team who has 24 years experience. And so collectively, we have about 50 to 60 years of experience between us. So um, we're a highly experienced team and we can assist you both ways, both in the direction of UK immigration and in the direction of Indian immigration. Um, and... Um, Yes, so please uh, uh, keep your eyes peeled for the next podcast as we get more information about what's going to happen. And thank you very much, Krishnendu. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye.